Salune is an ancient goddess of the moon and stars in the Forgotten Realms. She and her faith preach acceptance and generosity, all the while battling the constant threat of the encroaching dark that is her twin sister Shar. I am Ben Dignan, and welcome once again to Religion in the Realms. Unsurprisingly to me, despite my stated intention not to mispronounce any names going forward, I have been saying Salune's name wrong well before getting to her episode. I was watching someone's live stream of Baldur's Gate 3 while I was on in the background doing my own work a couple months ago, and to my surprise, they used the proper pronunciation. Next thing you know, I'm opening up to Salune's entry in Fates and Pantheons, the third edition book and feeling a little dumb. It is apparently not Saloon as I assumed it long to be. Now if you and your game table have been saying her name right for years, that's great, but I'm not taking a loss on this one. I don't think I've ever heard someone up until that point call her Salune. It has always been said to be Saloon. Maybe that's just a byproduct of 4th edition and 5th edition products not putting the pronunciation guides in the various passages any longer. All that complaining to justify mistakes aside, I doubt anyone is going to get hung up on such things, but that's the proper pronunciation, and I'll do my best not to slip into old habits. Titles Salune goes by the following titles. Our Lady of Silver, The Moon Maiden, The Night White Lady, and She Who Guides. Salune is known by the following aliases. Ella amongst the Badin people of the Anorak. Nydra in the Farsi Marshes, Luca or Lucha, I'm not entirely sure which way to pronounce that, in Durpar, Estegund, and Far the Golden. Portfolio and Domains Selune's portfolios are Good in Neutral Lycanthropes, The Moon, Navigation, The Stars, and Wanderers. Selune's suggested domains for 5th edition are Knowledge and Life as listed in Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. Although now in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, the Twilight Domain is also suggested for Salune. Appearance and Manifestations Salune's favored weapon is a heavy mace that she has titled the Rod of Four Moons. Discrepancies across sourcebooks, even those of the same edition being a reality we need to contend with, this weapon is also confusingly referred to as the Wand of Four Moons which even that title is given to another of the magical items Salune carries in another edition source book where it functions like a wand. I will touch on that magical wand in a bit. Regardless, in 3rd edition mechanical terms, the mace is a plus 5 heavy mace with the defending, disruption, and holy properties attached to it. She and her avatars also make use of other magic items. One of them is a plus 3 moonblade. This is not to be confused with the elven artifact that bears the same name. Rather, it is a conjured blade made out of pure moonlight. There is a moonblade spell on 2nd edition that fulfills this function. Salune may also carry a magical wand she has called the Wand of Four Moons. Some, but not all, the properties of this wand are known. It is said to combine the powers of a wand of paralyzation, wand of polymorphing, wand of lightning, Rod of Security, and a Rod of Resurrection. 
Selune also has a favorite set of plus 5 scale mail that has been formed out of opalescent round scales that give off a silver glow. If a follower of hers is in need and worthy of their armor, Selune may loan it out temporarily. This armor combines the properties of armor of blending, plate mail of etherealness, and has the weight of elven chainmail. Selune is said to have many forms and is depicted as such in different art mediums. Most times she is portrayed in humanoid form, though some depictions portray her as a face upon the surface of the moon. Selune's appearance and her avatars are said to differ in appearance depending on the given phase of the moon. Source books do not spell out which forms of her avatars coincide with which phases of the moon, but some clear assumptions can be made. The first known form is a dusky-hued and beautiful woman with long white hair and lime-green eyes. The second form is a lithe and ghostly young girl with dark hair and eyes, wearing a robe that shimmers with moonlight. The third and final form is that of a matronly woman who has aged gracefully. The phases of the moon, however, have no effect on the power that these avatars bring to bear, just that the phases show her to be in a continual cycle of rebirth. Regardless of what appearance Salune currently holds, faint blue-white moonlight surrounds her. When avatars could be sent down to the surface of Toril, Salune would rarely send hers down, knowing full well that Shara would go out of her way to have them destroyed. Instead, Salune did, and likely still does, send her avatars out to other planes in the hopes of finding information or items that will help her to win the battle against her sister. Salune's only known manifestation is called Moon Dust or Moon Motes. Should one of her devout followers become lost, Selune produces motes of moonlight to serve as a trail to guide the lost individual, or she may provide light to one of her followers in need of illumination in the completion of an important task. These motes are similar in appearance to those produced by the Dancing Lights Cantrip or Will-O-Wisps. These motes of light may drip with a glowing white liquid called moonfire. Such liquid is said to be from the moon itself and is heavily prized by Salunites. We will touch on Moonfire and its uses later in the podcast. Salune can show her favor and disfavor with the appearance of owls, were-dragons, also known as song dragons, certain shape-changers and were-creatures, lilens, moonstone gemstones, and or one of her shards. The shards are a particular group of planetars solely dedicated to Salune. They have long blue hair and snow-white skin and are said to be created from equal parts fire and moonlight. The shards are able to banish away their wings if they so choose temporarily. Abilities Given Salune's growth and power as a lesser power in 1st edition, now to what I suspect to be a greater power in 5th edition, some of these abilities will need to be upscaled in power. Chiefly those that I mentioned from 3rd edition sources where given deific abilities are far more spelled out. When she was an intermediate power during the 3rd edition era, any check she makes comes up as a 20. Any result of a 1 on dice rolls for an attack or save is treated normally and not treated as an automatic failure. In terms of her divine senses, Selune can sense out to a distance of 15 miles, which is approximately 24 kilometers. She can sense out from herself, any of her worshippers, holy sites, objects, or locations important to her, and any location that her name or one of her titles has been spoken within the last hour. The divine senses of any deity of the same power level or less can be blocked out by Salune at up to two remote locations for 15 hours. 
Using her portfolio sense, Salune is aware of any act that transpires under moonlight the moment it happens, and retains the sensations of those events for 1510 days, which is 150 days after such events occur. Salune is capable of producing any magical item that grants healing, affects shape changers, or makes use of powers deeply associated with her portfolio over the moon, so long as such items do not exceed 200,000 gold pieces in value. Salune's spells at first look to be rays of moonlight streaking out from her, but once the given spell reaches its target, the spell takes on its typical appearance. Salune easily banishes evil creatures before her who are of a lesser power. In turn, no summoned good creature can be banished or dispelled that is before her. Salune radiates a strong aura that extends out to 100 yards, granting the benefits of protection from evil. Salune is immune to light and electric attacks and spells. She is unable to be charmed or enchanted. Regardless of alignment, no lycanthrope dares harm her. Salune is extremely adept with divination magic. As such creatures suffer a negative 3 penalty to saves associated with such divination magics cast by her. Divination spells will only work on her if she allows them to, otherwise she is immune. Faithful Salonites get a free pass with their divination spells, given the obvious connection between deity and worshipper. Personal History Aside from Eo the Overgod, Salune and her twin sister Shar are the oldest native deities to the Forgotten Realms. Within the sphere Eo created for realm space, the twin deities came about from the misty shadows, Salune representing light, Shar representing darkness. From them, the celestial bodies of realm space were given form. For a time, the two sisters were extremely close and could be thought of as one being known as the Two-Faced Goddess. The silver light from Salune was the only source of light present in realm space, but no heat came from such light. Upon Toril, they gave life to the planet, and from it came the Earth Mother Shantia. Shantia manifested on the surface of Toril and pleaded with the sisters to provide light and warmth to shine down about Toril in order for life to take hold. Here at this point, sources conflict on the specifics of the tale, though the response to Shantia's request is the breaking point in the relationship between Salune and Shar in all versions. In one version of the tale, Salune agrees to this request, and pulled flame in from the elemental plane of fire. With it, Salune ignited the sun. Shar hated this and lashed out at her sister, and from this moment on, it is said that these twins have been in open conflict with one another. Shar attacks Salune first, diminishing much of the light Salune bore within. Weakened but still strong, Salune tore some magical essence from her and threw it at her sister. After Shar was struck, some of her own essence fell away. In another version of the tale, Shar and Salune fought before the sun was lit in realm space. During this initial battle, it is said several deities were birthed from the deific essences that fell away from the twins. Deities such as Talos and Tempest who are still present today. Salune gained the upper hand in the battle and took that moment to reach through to the plane of fire to bring flame and heat to the sun. This wounded Salune, but through her actions she allowed life to begin and flourish. Both tales converge in their narrative once more as Salune hurls her divine essence at her sister. Both essences of light and dark combined and formed Mistral, who would go on to form the Weave. Despite a shared bond with both Salune and Shar, Mistral would become allied with Salune. 
Selene was dearly wounded from this exchange with her sister, and as a result, her power was greatly diminished. But with Mistral now on her side, Shar was forced to make an uneasy truce and retreated into the darkness to recover. Shar has since remained in the darkness and still holds on to most of her strength from this primordial time period, ever vengeful. Shara would go on to recover, but the specifics of that tale I will save for her episode next. Though unable to regain her previous strength, Salune was protected from her sister by the various alliances Salune would form past the first she made with Shantia Mistral. Shara would remain mostly alone and bitter. How lycanthropy emerged in Faerun is up for debate. Malar is said to have granted ancient human tribes with the gift of lycanthropy to better embody the vicious beasts they worship while Salune is said to have granted lycanthropy to those orphan children left out in the wild so that they could survive. What seems clear is that Malar has ancient and deep ties with evil lycanthropes, and Salune the same with non-evil lycanthropes. In the era preceding the Time of Troubles, represented somewhat by the material covered for first, first edition, Salune existed as a diminished lesser power. She served, though willingly and appreciatively, under Sunni. Following the Time of Troubles, however, Salune gathered more strength than the Allies, elevating herself to an intermediate power. Chief among these new Allies was the second form of Mistra. Together, these two acted in direct opposition to Shar and the Dark Goddess's creation of the Shadow Weave. During the Time of Troubles in 1358 Dale Reckoning, Shar began masquerading as Salune in Waterdeep. She came to the House of the Moon, the large water Tavian Selunite temple claiming to be her sister. Though before the Time of Troubles, an avatar of Selune lived in Waterdeep, though seemingly no one knew where she was. But the proprietor of Selune's smile, a tavern, was in fact her avatar. She went by the name of Luna. With the fall of the gods down to their avatar forms, I don't quite know if Luna absorbed Selune's essence as she fell to Toril. Regardless, the gods were vulnerable and Char took advantage. Shar captured Luna when Luna came to challenge Shar's facade. Likely through manipulation and magic, Shar was able to convince Luna that she wasn't a deity. If it wasn't for the help of a party of adventurers, Shar likely would have been able there and then to destroy her sister once and for all. Shar and Salune would then engage in battle over top Waterdeep. Salune ultimately was able to foil Shar's plans. I know these events are covered in a line of comic books from the late 80s and early 90s under the title of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Otherwise, the events that transpired are only summarized in given source books, and I do not have access to these comics. Personality Selene has seen a progression from a lesser deity in 1st edition sources to an intermediate deity in 2nd edition and 3rd edition sources, all the way up to a greater deity in 4th edition sources. Now that leads me to believe that Selune still holds the title as a greater deity in 5th edition. But again, save for a couple deities, we don't truly know what ranked deities sit at presently in the Forgotten Realms. Selune is a chaotic good deity. Her personality seems to reflect the phases of the moon. At her worst, she may seem cold and dejected, lost in thought about her failures and mistakes. At other times, she seems rejuvenated and full of boundless positive energy. Despite these differing dispositions, she always seems accepting of others, and she holds a deep-seated animosity for Shar. Personal Realms In the Great Wheel cosmological model used in 1st edition, 2nd edition, 
and is the assumed model for 5th edition Forgotten Realms, Salune resides on the split chaotic good and chaotic neutral plane of Ysgard. This outer plane is also known as the heroic domains of Ysgard or Gladsheim. Her realm, known as the Gates of the Moon, can be found on the first layer of Ysgard, which bears the same name as the plane itself. Ysgard is a sprawling plane made of sweeping, vastly unsettled landscapes for, her, for heroic adventure. The environments here are at their extremes. The mounds are tall, the caverns are deep, and storms are strong. Ysgard is made up of floating, massive moats of earth that float slowly around one another in constant motion. These moats will occasionally collide, creating earthquakes. Some are smaller in size and are known as earthbergs, while the largest moats are as large as continents. Mortals and souls who reside on the layer of Ysgard can fight and adventure freely without much consideration for their well-being. For if they die, the next day they will rise alive and well to face another challenge. Ysgard is the primary home of the Norse gods, both the Aesir and Vanir, and here they often go about masquerading as mortals and humanoids to be amongst their various petitioners. The Gates of the Moon is one of the few calm and peaceful places to be found on Ysgard. Much like the moon, the light of this realm increases and decreases with phases. The general disposition of those who live here changes as well. At its brightest, the gaze of the moon is at its calmest and no one is found wanting of food and drink, while things become dour and haunting when it is at its darkest as locals shut themselves in to protect themselves from whatever were-creatures may be prowling about. Strange and whimsical items can be bought here. Frozen bottled moonlight, never-melting ice, sands of time, and never-wilting flowers. Salune's silver palatial home on the gates of the moon is known as Argentil. It sits atop a milk-colored sea on a rocky island. The waters here are protected by powerful sea serpents and krakens. The sea here is connected to the river Oceanus, which is the major plain-traversing river that crosses the majority of the upper plains. Why this connection exists in this realm is a mystery, and the means to access this connection is perplexing. Salune has contact with the Norse gods on Ysgard as well. In particular, it is said that Thor and Loki are fond of her and come to this realm in attempts to court her. Salune holds gatherings and feasts in Argentil for the other deities who reside on this plane. Within Argentil, the infinite staircase begins. The staircase is a renowned planar conduit that is said to connect different cities across the plains. The staircase appears within Argentil when the moon is full. Salune seems to have an effect over Ysgard. After some time, some petitioners are known to become werebears or werebores. The naming of werebores here has me confused, but that may just be because I am used to seeing them with an evil alignment in the 5th edition Monster Annual. Salune's planetars, the Shards, reside in their own town known as Mahogany in this realm. It sits on a swampy river delta raised up on stilts. Here, mask wearing is in fashion, and festivals are held when the full moon is out. Where creatures in the gates of the moon are able to control their varying forms despite the phase of the moon. Selene shares her realm with the Vedic god Soma. Soma's petitioners collect specific flowers that grow in the gates of the moon and distill the juice that comes from these flowers. The drink that they make from the juice is consumed to gain insight into future events. In the world tree model used for 3rd edition Forgotten Realms, Salune resides on the plane of the Gates of the Moon. The properties and features of the Gates of the Moon in the world tree are much the same. One key difference, however, 
that it is now its own separate plane in this model. This plane has its own very moon, which goes through its own cycles. A portal leads to Arvindor here, and the elves ensure that it is maintained. This version of the plane seems far more tied with the elves, as a fey court is held here. Salune shares her plane with two other deities, Finder Wivenspur and Shondakul. The petitioners who reside in the gates after their deaths look much like they did in their mortal life, but they take on a paler complexion. Their personality and disposition changes in tune with phases in the moon as well. Argentil is still described as the silver palatial home of Salune, though we are given a couple new descriptors about it. Argentil is central to the plane. It is a place of solace and quiet reflection, as sounds here seem muffled. People and objects here have a silver glow to them, as if the moonlight had suffused them. The presence and beginning of the infinite staircase, at least in the World Tree model, is thought to be, ta- is thought to be tied to Sean the Cool's presence on the plane. First mentioned, or so I think it was first mentioned in the 3rd edition source, is the presence of Selenara, or Opus as it was known in the tongue of the Netheral Empire. This was one of two floating cities of Netheril to escape destruction from Karsus's folly. The city continues to float in this realm, looking the same as it did all those centuries ago. Those who live in Selenar have in turn become Asimar over the many generations, and they are devoted servants of Selune. In the World Axis model used for 4th edition, Selune's dominion is yet again called Gates of the Moon. It shares similar characteristics to the Gates of the Moon from the previous two models, though with its own unique features. Specific to this version, because of the various other deities who came to reside here, the Gates of the Moon consists of rocky islands and a silvery sea. Each island is graced with natural beauty and refined buildings. Argentil stands at the center of this domain. Around it is the city of Brightwater, the home of Sunni. Along with Sunni, the goddesses Timora, Shares, and Lyra live here. Allies and Allegiances Salune counts the following deities as allies. Sunni, Mistra, Lyra, Drow goddess Illustrae, Lathander, the elven goddess Sianine Moonbow, Shondakul, Eldath, Shantia, and Valkyr. Sunni has long been an ally of Salune and acted once as her superior. Since the dawn of creation, the various forms of Mistral and Mistra have always been allied with Salune. Lyra and Illustrae share Salune's love of the moon and joyfully celebrating it. Since Lathander himself is a goodly aligned power of light, Salune and him share a similar goal in casting light upon the dark plans of Shar and her followers. Enemies By and large, the chief foe of Salune is her twin sister Shar. Though she also has enemies in Umberly, Mask, and though he is presently deceased, Moander. Salune is hated by Umberly due to the guidance the moon maiden provides to sailors out at sea. Mask may no longer be an enemy of Salune, given his shift in alignment, but for a time at least, Salune combated whatever dark workings he and his followers committed in the shadowy places of the world. Deity and Avatar Stat Blocks The second edition stat block for Salune's avatars can be found in the Faiths and Avatar Supplement. The third edition stat block for both Salune and her avatar can be found in the Faiths and Pantheon Supplement. Symbols in the Faerunian pantheon, Salune's faith has had only one known holy symbol, a pair of feminine eyes surrounded by seven silver stars. 
The symbol has been used as far back as when the Nethro Empire was at its height. This is pure speculation on my part, but the use of this specific symbol may even extend further back into the history of the Forgotten Realms. Central Dogma From Faiths and Pantheons, the 3rd edition supplement, quote, Let all on whom Salune's light falls be welcome if they desire. As the silver moon waxes and wanes, so too does life. Trust in Salune's radiance and know that all love, alive under her light, shall know her blessing. Turn to the moon, and she will be your true guide. Promote acceptance and tolerance. See all other beings as equals. Aid fellow Salonites as if they were your dearest friends. End quote. Presence of the Faith Those who typically worship Salune include female spellcasters, good and neutrally aligned lycanthropes, navigators, sailors, astrologists, and fortune tellers. Her clerics tend to hold a chaotic good, chaotic neutral, or neutral good alignment. Many seagoing people look towards Salune for guidance as they use the stars and moon above as a point of reference. That and they hope to that they can gain what boon they can from the moon maiden that may help them avoid the attention of Umberly. Salune is quite a popular deity among women, and they look to her for protection and guidance. Couples pray to her in the hopes that she will bless them with children. Non-evil lycanthropes hold that Salune is the one who holds their fate in her hands. Lay people of Faerun respect the services provided by the Salunite faith, though few of them understand the ways of this ancient religion. Still they offer up prayers and lip service to Salune on the nights where a full moon is out. When reading over the description of Sailune and her faith in 2nd edition's Nethril Empire Magic Box set, there were a couple minor differences related to location and bodies within the church, but the faith was described to be much the same as it is now. The name of Salune has also been given to the singular moon above Toral. Who or when this was done is unknown to me. A 4th edition source book calls that that Salune has placed a part of her spirit into the moon, and this in turn allows her to gaze down upon Toral at all times. Some lay folk of Faerun believe the moon to actually be Salune, looking down upon them from above. And there is, of course, some truth to that perspective. Out in realm space, invisible from the surface of Toral, is the collection of asteroids that trail the moon. These are known as the Tears of Salune. Unique to the Tears is the glow that they give off that is visible to all down below planet side despite what phase the moon finds itself in. A myth told by various human peoples speaks to how the Tears of Salune were formed. Long ago, Salune was deceived and fell in love with a warrior who in actuality was an evil shape-changing monster in disguise. Salune then trapped this monster and his minions in a gem for eternity. Salune was saddened, and the tears that fell from her eyes are the very same that trail close to the moon to this day. Though some think that the tears formed from Salune's joy at one time, though no tale was mentioned to be attached to this belief. In Var the Golden, Estegund, and Durpar, Salune is known as Lucha or Luca. Here she is thought to be part of the Adama, the world spirit that exists in all living things. Luca, she who guides, informs how beings form relationships with one another, while also giving directions to those who travel, blessing marriages, protecting mother and child at birth. Moonstone is held to be a precious resource in the Salunite faith. 
Moonstones are often used in the creation of magic items that help to control lycanthropy, affect lycanthropes, or ward against lycanthropes. Just like many other good deities I have discussed already, Salune was one of many who gave her blessing at the first reformation of the Harpers back in 720 Dale Reckoning at the Dancing Place. As a result, many Selenites are themselves Harpers. Selenite clergy have specific terminology they reserve for the appearance of the moon. Moonlight is unsurprisingly the term used to indicate when the moon is out, though not always seen, depending where one is standing. Night gloom, in term, is the term used when the moon is not out or is dark. A known heretical belief in Faerun is referred to as the Dark Moon Heresy. Those who hold this belief say that Saluna and Shar are just two different aspects of one given goddess. Not much more is said of this heresy other than these heretics typically hold one of the three different neutral alignments. Hierarchy and Structure of the Clergy Depending on which source book you go by, the Salonite clergy as a whole are known as Silver Stars, Moon Cloaks, and or Lady Servants. The majority of Salonites are female, the upper echelons of the clergy are filled with primarily women as well. Regardless of the Salonite faith being one of the more feminine faiths, it is welcoming to all who wish to serve the Moon Maiden. Among the clergy are sailors, mystics, several different types of female spellcasters, and good lycanthropes. As a result of this eclectic mix, there are varying ways in which each group gives their praise to the Moon Maiden. The Sailor Knight hierarchy is not orderly or standardized. Often it will shift depending on the movement and phases of the Moon or other celestial bodies. The usual ranks one might find for the Sailor Knight hierarchy are as given in 2nd edition's Faiths and Avatars, in the following ascending order. The Cold, who are the novices of the Faith, touched which is the first rank of a full clerical member, Instarred, Moonbathed, Silverbrow, Lunar, Initiate, and finally High Initiate. The title of each rank is followed by Priestess or Priest. Again, given the looseness of the Salonite hierarchy, there are many derivatives and alternatives to the given hierarchy. Now in 4th edition's Edic Greenwood Presents Elminster's Guide to the Forgotten Realms, another rank structure is given. It is as follows in ascending order. Postulants, who are the initiates of the faith. Novices. Runra or Runra, who are the first rank of the full clergy. Alrunra or Alrunra. Tenembra. Sarturmbra. Trenturla, who are senior clergy. Almra, who are regional senior clergy heads. And Kalunala. A Kalunala is regarded as independent of the hierarchy. They are said to be so in touch with Selune that they commune with her frequently and are tasked with immensely important missions. According to the source book, someone who is an Amra or Kalunala can transform into a gaseous cloud while out in moonlight. While Kalunala can conjure moon blades much like those I discussed back when talking about Selune herself. Responsibilities and Duties of the Faithful The clergy of Salune are strong advocates of freedom and expression in Faerun. Unsurprisingly, then, they do much to combat slavery and oppression in the wider world. They also work tirelessly against Shar and her followers and build bridges with non-evil lycanthropic communities. Any evil lycanthrope they help to combat. Salunite clergy aim to be independent 
modest, but also to strive to achieve many successes in the wide world. The clergy of Salune prize in secret the stone that falls from the moon in Tears of Salune. The stone is used in the creation of magical bombs and potions. Services usually on offer at Salune places of worship include divination and fortune-telling, healing services, which are typically given out generously, and warriors to combat evil lycanthropes and the servants of Shar. Several of the Selenite clergy are wanderers and serve as teachers to potential worshippers while offering many of the same services provided at temples. The itinerant clergy also help to bolster female empowerment wherever they go. Healing is given graciously with a little ask in exchange other than maybe a warm meal and or a place to sleep. Most of them receive the necessary coin needed in their travel as fortune tellers and diviners. They may also serve as guides and navigators out at sea or through the wild spaces of the continent. On top of their regular day-to-day responsibilities, each clergy member is said to be dealing with two missions at any one time. One mission comes from senior clergy members, the other is a secret mission specific to each clergy member which Salune has communicated to them. Orders and Priestly Bodies The Moon Knights are a militant clerical body of the Salonate faith, though they are not paladins. Rather, they act as a supplementary body to Salonite paladins in combating the actions of Shar's faith. Much like other members of the Salonite faith, they can seem joyful and carefree most of the time. However, they are a wrathful group when facing down the enemies of the faith. Unique to them is either an increase in power or decrease in power depending on the face of the moon. Mechanically, they gain a character level during days while the moon is in full, and lose a character level when the moon is new. The Silver Ladies are a body of Selenite clergy busy with the many tasks expected of the faith. They are responsible for healing services, protection of women and non-evil lycanthropes, and act as midwives and diviners. This is an expressly all-female clerical group. They are strong advocates and active in the pursuit of women's rights and dignity across the continent. As such, they often come into conflict in regions where women are not treated well. They will make sure to fight off or pursue any men who are known misogynists and abusers. The Swords of the Lady are a group of fanatical Selenites who quickly respond to the dangers Shar's faith might present. They are called lunatics given their bizarre behavior, though there is no mention of what exactly it is that they do that is bizarre. They are led by paladins, mystics, and clerics. This group has a history that goes all the way back to the Hydronethral. Given their ability to respond so quickly to Shar's machinations, it has been long assumed that they have access to a teleportation network and have an extensive knowledge of shortcuts and backroads. Some other Netherese orders that are mentioned are the Silver Path and Guardians of Light. The Silver Path were a group of Selenite rangers, and the Guardians of Light were an elite order of paladins. No greater detail for both bodies was provided, unfortunately. The Oracles of the Moon are a group of female Selenite diviners who work for the Harpers. The Fang Shields are an organization composed of good-aligned creatures and other sentient beasts protecting the wild places of Faerun. Most members act alone, though they can be called upon to form into small groups to defend against a mightier foe. In the past, members only worshipped LaRue and Nobanayan, but as their numbers increased and other humanoids were brought into the fold, Salune became one of their chief deities. This is likely because they allow non-evil lycanthropes into their organization. Small numbers of humanoids not afflicted by lycanthropy are also found in the group, but this number is kept down and serves as a practical means whereby resources can be accessed 
from the developed world when they need to be. Their three main semi-permanent bases of operation can be found in the Silver Marches, the Shining Plains, and Aglarond. Within their organization is a subgroup called the White Pack, a group of goodly aligned Selune worshipping werewolves. One of their chief foes is the Faith of Malar and the people of the Black Blood. Fellowship of the Purple were attempting to establish a theocracy in the wildlands to the north of Termish, at last recording in 1372 Dale Reckoning. The Fellowship was formed in 1368 Dale Reckoning by a small group of clerics dedicated to Shantia, Helm, and Salune. As more like-minded individuals from allied faiths came together, small settlements were built up by 1372 Dale Reckoning. These three settlements were hamlets based around their own respective temple farms. Fellowship believed that they were following the dictates of their respective deities to establish a holy nation. Often adventurers are hired by the Fellowship to help them deal with threats from the outside. Was not able to gather any evidence of the Fellowship's continued existence or destruction up to present-day Faerun. The Order of the Crescent Moon is located in Impilter. Due to this order being so localized just to this region, it is mostly unheard of outside of it. It is an order composed of dwarven warriors devoted to the dwarven god Clangedon Silverbeard and human warriors devoted to Salune. This order was formed when a coalition of these two peoples came together to fight off evil lycanthropes. After proving victorious over their foes, both groups acknowledged how one another complemented each other in battle and the order was formed. It is a fairly loose organization only called to order when either of the two peoples are in need of aid. This order's symbol consists of Clan Geddon's hammer surrounded by the seven stars of Salune. The Order of the Sun Soul is primarily a monk order devoted to Lathander, though a smaller amount of Sun Soul groups are devoted to Salune and Sunni. Their monasteries are typically found in remote areas of the world. At times, the order has assisted those two faiths as well, though its bond with the Lathanderite faith is far stronger. This order's history stretches all the way back to the time of Nethril, when it was once known as the Order of the Sun. Then, its patron deity was solely a monitor. Upon a monitor's disappearance, the different monasteries in the order chose one of the three deities to become their new patron. Surprisingly, with a monitor's reemergence, the sun soul monks have not wavered in their dedication to their three deities. Monasteries of the sun soul can be found out in the remote areas of Faerun. With the reemergence of a monitor, there does not seem to be any mention of the order of the sun soul readopting their initial patron deity, but perhaps it is on the mind of a few of them. The Order of the Blue Moon is a small group of Selenites and Mistrins who combat Shar and her faith. They derive their name from the appearance of a blue full moon in the sky. This happens periodically when the weave fluctuates and causes a strong concentration of magic in a given place. Their chapter house, known as the Hall of Reflected Moonlight, is hid amongst the red rocks north of Waterdeep. Though they use the House of the Moon Temple in Waterdeep as their base of operation for their day-to-day operations. They are not well known outside of the Sword Coast region of Faerun. Their strength seems to grow in power while the moon is full, and then that is when they act. For when the moon wanes, their powers do become diminished. The Order of the Half Moon are an order of holy warriors, chiefly housed and dedicated to protecting the House of the Moon, Temple, and Water Deep. An order of werecats, lycanthropes who can change from humanoid into ordinary housecats, known as the Eyes of the Evening, serve both Shares and Salune. They are said to hunt down the devotees of Shar and Loviatar on nights of the full moon. Appearance and Dress 
Clergy and clerics are often found with a specific mace of the Selenite faith known as the moon's hand. The head of this mace is forced to represent a given phase of the moon. Most temples have a preference for a specific phase of the moon, which carries over to the weaponry their clergy wield. Moon knights typically wear splint armor that is silver and white in color. The armor features the two eyes of Selene as seen in our holy symbol upon the chest piece of their armor. They wear helmets with a blue crest, a midnight blue cloak, and wield a moon's hands mace. Silver ladies wear silver robes typically made of silk or satin topped with either a hood or cloak. For protection, if it is called for, they wear chainmail armor and wield a moon hands mace. The ceremonial dress of the faithful varies widely from region to region. Some wear plain brown robes with some form of moonstone jewelry, while others wear the finest robes and crowns that are bejeweled, donning animated trains and capes that flown behind them. Such ostentatious dress is the fashion amongst those who reside at the House of the Moon Temple in Waterdeep. Clergy of Luca or Lucha wear a circlet of woven vines and white robes. They go barefoot at their ceremonies. Senior clergy members carry a staff with vines and flowers wound about it. When adventuring, the clergy of Salune dress practically for the tasks that they are undertaking. Often, though not always, they are fashionable in their dress. Unsurprisingly, the weapon of choice is the moon's hand mace. The dress of the Salonite clergy at the time of Netheril was somewhat different. Clergy wore a circlet made of vines and flowers wound around one another. They also wore a plain white robe or one that was decorated with moonstones and silver threadwork. A moonstone with Salune's symbol carved into it served as their holy symbol. They expressly forbid the wearing of footwear during ceremonies. Senior clergy carried a wooden staff with silver decoration and flowers and vines wrapped around it. The staff was tipped with a moonstone. This was a clear indicator of their station in the faith. The Order of the Half Moon wears steel skull cap that is tinted blue and a full-length robe colored sea blue with a large collar and full moon embroidery along the cuffs. Each member receives a tattoo of a crescent moon upon their forehead. They carry a weapon known as a moon pole. It is a pole arm with a crescent-shaped blade at its top, much like a bardiche. Rituals Unsurprisingly, clerics of Selene pray and meditate on their spells at night. They do this while facing towards the moon. Lay folk who seek Selene's favor may put out a bowl of milk outside on the nights of the full moon. Several of the tenets and rituals of the Selenite faith celebrate the role, the role of women in society and the bodies of women. Milk is used rather often in the rituals and rites of the Selenite faith. This is understandable given its symbolic tie to motherhood. Wine and dance are also staples of Selenite rituals. One source book specifically calls out that female clerics feel closest to Selune on nights with full moons. Now, I don't know if this is just a book defaulting to the female gender because the majority of Selenites are female, or in fact, this sort of phenomenon only happens with women. Either way, when they know a full moon is due, they carry out specific morning rituals to be receptive to future visions and insights when the full moon comes out at night. The faith celebrates two holy days annually. The first is known as the Conjuring of the Moon or the Conjuring of the Second Moon, depending on what source book you go by. The Conjuring is held on Shieldmeet, the leap year day that occurs every four years between the months of Flame Roll and Elysis. The chief ritual conducted on the Conjuring of the Moon is an important chant that all at a given Selenite temple participate in. 
The chant summons the shards, who as mentioned earlier are the primary agents of Salude. These planetars come to the prime material world to carry out requested tasks of the clergy. Quite often the shards are asked to combat Shar and her followers in some way. The next morning, the shards then choose one of St. Lune's faithful to then accompany them to the outer planes to become a shard themselves. Now the mystery of the night is described in two different ways, though a given clergy member must conduct it annually. The first version of this ritual involves the casting of spells and exhausting oneself while laying prone before an altar. Placed on the altar is an offering of wine and or milk. Then the participant is raised up high into the air to commune with Selune, all the while in a deep trance. They circle around the moon and are said to be gifted with visions as a form of communication with Selune. This ritual does inflict a loss of hit points on the participant due to its exhaustive nature. The offerings of milk and or wine upon the altar may also be turned into moonfire. A second version of the Mystery of the Night is also performed annually, but is only called for by a high-ranking clergy member and takes place only on nights of the full moon. This is an exhaustive ritual of chanting and dancing and involves offerings of wine and milk mixed together and placed upon an altar dedicated to Salune. Should Salune bless this ritual, she will turn this wine-milk mixture into moonfire. Moonfire is a glowing, syrupy, pale liquid. When it manifests, it may attach itself to given individuals or items conferring the moon maiden's blessing. What remains of the moonfire is collected and placed in translucent ceramic jars by the clergy. This is then used as a magical salve at later times. Moonfire is so detrimental to the point that it can destroy undead upon touching them. It also loses its power if it is stolen away. The items created with the help of Moonfire, as, as well as the other uses of Moonfire, will be discussed in the Magic Items section of the podcast. The Night Stalk is a solitary ritual in the Selenite faith. Much like the Mystery of the Night, a Night Stalk is described differently across the editions. Juan Swartzbook mentions that it is a rather simple ritual. A participant goes for a walk beneath the moonlight in an attempt to commune with Salune, whereas another describes something more akin to that scene in the Mystery of the Night. An individual participant makes an offering of milk and wine while dancing out in the open air, both on nights of the new moon and full moon. Now, I will say that such differences in ritual and practice are to be expected in the Salonite faith. One region or settlement's faithful might do a ritual this way, while another might do it that way, which arguably is to be expected with a chaotic good faith. But honestly, I just feel these are inconsistencies brought about by different authors writing in different source books. Though I will say there was always some consistency in the description of the conjuring of the second moon. The best we can do is just indicate where these differences exist, and then we can decide how we play things out at our own tables. According to 4th editions, Ed Greenwood presents Elminster's Guide to the Forgotten Realms. A novice in the Silonite faith becomes a full member if they accomplish a relatively simple task alone. If the clergy member does well, and receives a vision from Salune in their dreams, the novice is then welcomed into the regular clergy. Moondown is a festival held in Silvery Moon during the summer, though a specific date is not given. After high sun, which is what folks in Faerun call noon, people bathe and put on new clothes, or trade clothes with one another if they lack the necessary funds to purchase new clothes. A religious ceremony is held at dusk to honor Salune. Then the moon dance takes place. Sailonite clergy lead the participants in a slow dance through the streets until sunrise. 
Those who are participating wear white and or light green clothing during the moon dance. As the dancers wind their way through the streets, they offer moon wine and small round cakes to those they pass. Salune's Hallowing is a specific religious festival dedicated to Salune in Waterdeep. It takes place on a night whenever the moon is at its fullest in the month of Uktar. This festival pays homage to the moon, stars, and navigation. This is fitting given the importance of the sea to Waterdeep. The largest part of this festival is a parade of Selenite worshippers who leave the House of the Moon and make their way down to the harbor. The most senior clergy member bears the replica of the Wand of the Four Moons before themselves during this parade. General Locations of Places of Worship Selenite places of worship do not share a similar form. Some may exist out in the open wilderness, some might be housed in open-air complexes, while others might be grand temples within city walls. But it is far more common for smaller shrines to exist dedicated to Salune. This derives from the individualistic nature attributed to her faith. Often places of worship feature reflecting pools, gardens, and decorative elements that feature feminine symbols. Specific locations of places of worship. The largest and what is said to be the most beautiful temple to Salune is the House of the Moon located in the Sea Ward of Waterdeep. This temple is four stories tall, and a silver dome-shaped wall of force caps the temple. This roof can be made transparent by the highest senior clergy member. The walls of the temple are made out of white marble and aligned with lead to disallow scrying within. The windows are in the shape of a full or crescent moon. The outside walls are enchanted to spell out the teachings of Salune with radiant runes. One can witness a religious service to Salune from the streets below when the clergy go out on the roof of the temple when the full moon is out. The front gates of this temple show the avatar of Salune victorious over her sister above the city of Waterdeep, paying homage to the battle here during the time of troubles. The House of the Moon houses different Selenite groups, initiates in the faith, full clergy, the Order of the Half Moon, and non-evil lycanthropes. Other notable features of the House of the Moon include a replica of Salune's Wand of Four Moons, blessed by the moon mating herself, a map room and grand library used by ship captains, navigators, and scholars alike, five chapels, a temple proper where services are held, a minstrel's gallery, a treasury where holy relics and valuables are stored, a magical mirror that serves as a portal to other holy sites dedicated to Salune, a massive mirror that allows Salonites to scry on a place where the moon shines, catacombs, and much, much more. An exhaustive breakdown of the various rooms and functions carried out in this temple can be found in the second edition source book, Powers and Pantheons, and it also includes a map of this temple. The lighthouse of the moon found in the Hook Ward of Calimport doubles as a lighthouse for the city and as a place of worship. This lighthouse has been casting light over the harbor for close to a millennia without any direction from the clergy who live here. The dancing place out in the Highdale is an important holy site to the Harpers and many other faiths, including Salunes. It serves as a pilgrimage site for several Salonite pilgrims. In Alm, there are three ruined cities of the former theocracy of Mansoran, last inhabited in the year 600 Dale Reckoning. Each one was dedicated to a deity, one of these being dedicated to Salune. That was until a fierce blizzard covered the citizenry, and they were all reportedly attacked by a white dragon. Minsor Vale was a fourth city to hold out and was solely dedicated to Salune. Most of Minsor Vale lies in ruin and the temple to Salune is also abandoned. 
but a small fishing village still resides here and makes use of the enchanted public bathhouse that doubles as a shrine to Salune. Known as the Maiden's Bath, this bathhouse has waters that stay at constant temperatures and the waters constantly refreshed. Mithlarast found in Om is one of the handful of legendary cities protected by a mythal. Best estimates place the city at 5 miles west of the Gem Road in Om. This city in particular was founded by Selenites in 390 Dale Reckoning, and the power of the mythal was believed to be tied to the moon. The city only revealing itself on full moons now, though the Selenite clergy can discern it on any given night. Just it hangs there like a hazy mirage. The desire to restore Mithras to its former glory is a strong sentiment in the Selenite faith. Old texts speak to how the mythal was tied to seven structures known as the star spires at the boundaries of the city. A tremendously bright beacon was built here that caused the city to glow and shoot up light towards the night sky. A variety of evil creatures would later seize this ancient city as their own. When the city was assailed by evil, Salune took it upon herself and threw down lightning arts that looked to have stemmed from the moon itself in 720 Dale Reckoning. At this point in time, it was believed that the city was destroyed outright. While it is not directly said, I do speculate that this was a grand illusion cast by Salune or one of her faithful. The city instead was shunted out of the primaterial world into its own demiplane. This was a result of either Salune or one of her faithful altering the magic that sustained the mythal. The evil forces of lycanthropes and a demilich with their gargoyle minions have since torn the city to ruins over these many centuries, but they still remain trapped by the alterations made to the mythal. A Selenite clergy member, along with anyone who touches them, can gain entrance into the city so long as they touch the mythal on a night when the full moon is out. Though the clergy member needs to be wary of not staying too long, for once the moon shifts out of its full moon phase, they can get trapped inside, until the moon becomes full once more. Moon Maiden's Hall in Moran is a temple made out of the bow of a ship. This temple is strongly tied to the aspect of navigation inherent to this faith of Salune. At the height of the Nethro Empire, the most prominent location of Selenite worship was the Abbey of the Moon. It resided at the top of Selene's crest, the tallest mountain in the Abbey Mountains, though it would come to be destroyed before the fall of the Empire. Confusingly, there is another Selenite temple that is also called the House of the Moon. This one is in Thentia. Here offerings of silver are made to Selene, believing it to be a metal related to the moon. Thentia is a port city that sits on the shore of the Moon Sea. The Moon Sea, understandably given its name, is thought to be sacred to Selene. The dome ceiling of this temple displays a beautiful rendition of the phases of the moon. A ruined temple to Salune sits in Salasperin. It has been claimed and desecrated by Drow who worship Lolf. However, it would seem Salune still protects this temple in her own way. On the nights of the full moon, the light from the moon is strangely amplified down onto the temple to the point that the Drow must retreat to darker places. The House of the Lady in Immersy is an open-air temple. It is bordered by duskwood and shadow-top trees. A complete stone ring surrounds this clearing, serving as seating. Engraved upon this ring are prayers to Salune. In the middle of this clearing is a stone pyramid with steps on both sides leading up to its top. Each step bears a prayer to Salune. Standing atop the pyramid is a statue depicting Salune in two of her common appearances. Before the House of the Moon and Waterdeep stood the High House of Stars in devotion to Salune. 
However, it would be burned down by Sharns. The upper portions of the temple no longer exist, but the cellars remain intact beneath Moonstar Alley in Waterdeep. Housed in secret is the location known as the Vault of Stars. Though layfolk believe Selenites avoid the location under the presumption that it is desecrated. Secretly here, Lady Alethine Moonstar, the founder and head priestess of the House of Stars, resides now as an archlich, a type of good-aligned lich. She researches and fights against Sharans who dwell beneath the city in the Underdark. Still staying in Waterdeep, the Moon Sphere is not a place of worship per se, but it is still tied to Salune. On nights with a full moon, the Moon Sphere appears in the Dancing Court in the South Ward. This 40-foot diameter sphere allows anyone access into it, and those who come within are able to move about as if the fly spell had been cast upon them. Some come to drift in the moon sphere in quiet contemplation. Others like to come and dance, drink and be merry, while twirling about the confines of the sphere. Long ago in 390 Dale Reckoning, a group of good-aligned lycanthropes worshipped on the spot where the dancing court now stands. This group were known as the Cult of the Howling Moon. I'm not sure if the Moon Sphere is connected to the Cult of the Howling Moon, but it is an interesting thought. The Abbey of Tharnid is a subterranean Selenite abbey found in the east of the Tashin Gap. Housed in a cavern is the Pool of Tharnid. Above the pool is a natural shaft that allows light to shine onto it from above. The water of the pool is enchanted and produces an effect much like that of the moon draft magic item which I will discuss later. As a result, this abbey is a pilgrimage site for many Selenites. A temple of silver stars and silvery moon is a temple shaped like a single spired tiara. The roofline of this temple is reminiscent of a crescent moon. The windows are shaped to look like silver stars. Named temples to Salune include Moon Silver House in Kalant. The Rising Moon in Surlagal, the Moon Water in Yarlafon, the High Altar of the Moon, aka the Moon Tower in Iriabor, Moon Shadow Hall in Yahan, the House of Moonlight in Tantris, Moon Hall in the Wave District of Athkatla, the Moon Flame in Raven's Bluff, Moon Silver House in Brynwood, the Chapel of the Half Moon in Elmwood, Moonrise House in Great Gaunt, Silver Shadow Cave Shrine in Elven Tree, and the Moon Silver Door in Alamontir. An unnamed temple to Salune can be found in Velbrentilar. Unnamed shrines to Salune can be found in Arkendale, Holintar, and Elversalt. Character Options For 2nd edition, an option for Selenite Crusaders and a breakdown for both the Moon Knight and Silver Lady Priest variants can be found in the Warriors and Priests of the Realm supplement. The breakdown for the Silver Star and Guide Specialty Priests can be found in the Face and Avatar supplement. The breakdown for the Silver Star Specialty Priest can also be found in the Nethril Empire Magic box set. Third edition, the Silver Star Prestige class can be found in the Face and Pantheon supplement. The Selenite Foundling Regional Background, the Initiate of the Holy Realm Initiate Feat, Sun Soul Monk Initiate Feat, Crescent Moon Knight Paladin Substitution Levels, and the Purple Staff Cleric Substitution Levels can all be found in the Champions of Valor supplement. The Initiate of San Lune Feet can be found in Player's Guide to Faerun. The Knight of the Blue Moon and Sun Soul Monk Prestige class, as well as the Lunar Magic Feet can be found in City of Splendor's Waterdeep. For 4th edition, the Silver Star's Prestige class, Chosen of Salune Epic Destiny Utility Powers, 
and Channel Divinity Eyes of Salune feat power can all be found in the Forgotten Realms Player's Guide. Salune domain powers for the War Priest can be found in the Neverwinter Campaign Setting Supplement. The following is a breakdown of the features that I think someone deeply involved in the Selenite Faith as an Acolyte or otherwise would have for the background in 5th edition. Now for your two skill proficiencies, I would think Medicine and Persuasion would cover most Selenites, but there's definitely an argument there for switching out either of those two for Arcana, Religion, or even Survival if you're playing a Selenite who is experienced with Navigation, exploring out in the wild, or being out on the open seas. From your language or tool proficiencies, I would take the navigator's tools and the cartographer's tools. For your equipment, there's the accolades from the player's handbook, or the sailors from the player's handbook, but as always, you can substitute some of that gold you get with the background to get a holy symbol at the start. For your background ribbon feature, there's the accolade shelter of the faithful, or the sailor's ship's passage. Continuing with 5th edition, here's just a list of subclasses that I think would be thematically appropriate for an NPC or a PC to take if they are a worshipper of Salune. For the Barbarian, there's the Path of the Beast from Tash's Cauldron of Everything. For the Cleric, there's the Life and Knowledge Domain from the Player's Handbook. And the Twilight Domain from Tash's Cauldron of Everything. For the Druid, there's the Circle of the Moon Druid from the Player's Handbook. And the Circle of the Stars from Tash's Cauldron of Everything. For the monk, there's the Sun Soul Monk from both Xanathar's Guide to Everything and Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. For the Paladin, there's the Oath of Devotion from the Player's Handbook and the Oath of Redemption Paladin from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. For the Ranger, there's the Horizon Walker Ranger from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. For the Rogue, there's the Arcane Trickster from the Player's Handbook. For the Sorcerer, there's the Divine Soul Sorcerer from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. For the Warlock, there's the Celestial Patreon Warlock from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. And finally, for the Wizard, there's the School of Divination Wizard from the Player's Handbook. Dungeon Master Options The first thing I like to touch on in the Dungeon Master section is just monsters and other stat blocks you can make use of when you go to show the Selenite faith in your world. Unsurprisingly, as a good faith, there's not a heck of a lot of monster or creature stat blocks you can make use of but we'll go through some of the ones I suggest. From the Monster Manual, there's the Planetar, the Deva, the Owl, and the Giant Owl. Next, I'd like to touch on some non-5th edition creatures that are mentioned in older sources that could be of some use to you if you're willing to homebrew them, or if you're not running 5th edition, you could make use of them as well. Slivers are celestial creatures native to the Gates of the Moon. They resemble human women, though they are composed of moonlight and fire. As a result, slivers have illuminated eyes, hair, and fingertips. Slivers are chaotic and unpredictable entities who can easily be provoked into anger. They lash out with their own spells or their starfire hands. They roam about the gates of the moon and can be seen along the infinite staircase serving as guides. The breakdown for these creatures can be found in Dragon Magazine issue 353. Where dragons, also known as song dragons, are a rather rare species of dragon who are known for their unusual preference to live among humanoids. Much like the metallic dragons, they can shape change, but they specifically can only shape change into a feminine humanoid. In their true form, song dragons have silver blue scales and resemble the shape of a copper dragon. Despite the name of were dragon, they aren't a type of lycanthrope. 
The second edition stat block for these creatures can be found in second edition's Monstrous Compendium Annual Volume 3, where they are listed as Were Dragons. The third edition stat block can be found in third edition's Monster Compendium Monsters of Faerun, where they are listed as Song Dragons. The Lilend, or Lilens, or Lilendi, when you're speaking about them in the plural form, are an outer planar creature who typically has the upper torso of a fe- feminine human or elf, with the lower torso of a multi-hued serpent, though there are rare Lilens with a masculine torso. They have wings, much like a bird, that have striking feather patterns. They are deeply artistic beings, both being practitioners and lovers of all sorts of artistic expression. They hold a deep love as well for the unspoiled wilderness of the plains. Usually peaceful creatures, they can hold a deep grudge towards those who despoil art in the wilderness. In combat, they make use of their bardic spells and snake-like tails. The second edition stat block for the Lilend can be found in Monstrous Compendium Annual Volume 3 and Planescape's Planes of Chaos. The third edition stat block can be found in the first monster manual for third edition and 3.5. To round out the sections on monsters or creatures you can make use of, here are just a list of humanoid NPC stat blocks you could use to represent various Selenite worshippers and clergy. Always keep in mind with spellcasters, you can always swap out their list of spells for other spells that are more fitting to the themes that you're trying to present. From the monster manual, there is the mage, acolyte, priest, werebear, were-tiger, and if you're so inclined, because it is mentioned in the lore at least, uh, there's the other lycanthropes in there, but you would change their alignment to either be a neutral or good alignment. From Volo's Guide to Monsters, there's the diviner and the war-priest. From Tales from the Yawning Portal, there's the Were Jaguar. From Mystic Odysseys of Theros, there's the Oracle. And finally, from Curse of Strahd, there's a Were Raven. Moving on to the last section of Dungeon Master Options, let's talk about magic items. Moonfire can be used to create several different magical items by the Selenite clergy. Some of these include Moon Bracers, Moon Cloaks, Moon Motes, Potions of Moon Healing, Rings of Shooting Stars, and a variety of magical shields. The stored residue of Moonfire can also be used as a self to a creature's forehead to cast Spell Magic, to the feet to cast Fly, to the eyelids to cast Dark Vision, to the back of the hand to cast Greater Mage Hand, or Consume to cast Cure Serious Wounds. All these effects are listed in 3rd edition's Magic of Faerun. A Moon Cloak is a silvery-gray cloak in appearance. It grants its wearers the benefits of a Cloak of Protection, Water Walk, and Levitation. It can be found in 2nd edition's Faiths and Avatar and 3rd edition's Magic of Faerun. A Moonmote is a round and smooth stone formed out of Moonfire. It allows its carrier to cast Dancing Lights. It can be found in 2nd edition's Faiths and Avatars and 3rd edition's Magic of Faerun. Potions of Moon Healing, also known as Moon Draft, are potent healing potions healing 4d8 plus 4 hit points or the potion can be split up into four doses, each, day, each dose granting 1d8 hit points of healing. Should a lycanthrope drink this potion, the healing effects are doubled. Potions of Moon Healing or Moon Draft can be found in 2nd edition's Fates and Avatars and 3rd edition's Magic of Faerun. Moon Bracers have the same capability as Bracers of Armor in 3rd edition terms, along with the ability to cast Dimension Door once per day. They can be found in 3rd edition's Magic of Faerun. The Tear of Selunate is a large, rough surface crystal and holy item in the Selenite faith. This crystal is roughly the size of an ogre's fist. 
The crystal is said to have fallen from the sky and impacted the surface when Selune wept at the loss of Taiki during the Dawn Cataclysm. Briefly touching on this event, Selune had to split her former friend in two since a former deity known as Moander was able to poison much of Taiki. By splitting Taiki in two, Selune indirectly created the goddesses of good fortune and misfortune, Taimor and Bashaba. From the Tiros Lune was taken a crystal shard by the Selenites. The shard was then placed atop a staff and became known as the Staff of the Shard. The Selenites then locked the tear in a shrine. The keys of the shrine were the size of magical rods and bore their own magic, having been made from the iron fragments that fell down with the tear. Over the many centuries, the two keys, the Staff of the Shard, and the tear themselves have gone missing as various factions and monsters have held possession over them. The tear amplifies and greatly improves the effectiveness of spells cast within 100 feet of it. Spells deal their maximum damage or healing and cast at three levels higher than what the spellcaster intended. Each key allows the wielder to cast Meteor Swarm, though in order to cast it, several prayers to Salune must be invoked. Each key bears a curse as the iron fragments absorb cosmic energy when Salune split Taiki. There's a 5% chance that casting Meteor Swarm through one of these keys might split the wielder into two undead halves, one good, the other evil. Both keys do magically fuse together if brought in contact. By doing so, this eliminates the curse having any effect. These details and further information of the Tier of Salune can be found in 2nd Edition's Volo's Guide to All Things Magical. If you've listened to some of the past episodes, you will not be surprised that the Moonweb, the Holy Selenite Tome presented in the 2nd edition supplement, Prayers from the Faithful, does not look like a book at all. Rather, it appears to be four silver rings. These rings, to the naked eye, look plain and identical in shape. An ever-bright enchantment is upon them, and on the inside band of each ring, they each bear a unique name. Amglair, Anthandis, Shalmrun, and Tilithar. Using the regular methods of identification upon these holy items only reveals the name and symbol of Salune upon their surface. Each ring has a minor magical effect unique to them. Those non-Selenites who attempt to wear all four rings at once are struck with a flame strike spell. There is a correct order to wearing the rings as well. All rings are to be placed on the left hand with no other jewelry. Amglair is to go on the pinky, and Thandis and Shelmroon on the middle finger, and Tilathar on the thumb. The wearer will then be made aware of all the roster of spells available to them via the moonweb rings as the rings shrink to fit. Holding the rings in moonlight allows the wearer to make the list of spells and their descriptions appear on intangible floating pages before them. The first record of the moonweb rings are believed to have been given to Selenites in the immediate years after the fall of Nethril in negative 339 Dale Reckoning. The rings were brought down by the shards and given to worthy selenites. Over the years, the rings have been separated and brought back together a few times over. The faith eventually made the decision to separate the rings from one another so no one attack could claim them all. In an act committed by a group of red wizards from Thay, all the rings were discovered and taken from various selenite places of worship in 1344 Dale Reckoning. This was done under the suspicion that there was something more to the moonweb rings than what has already been described. With this supposed unlocked power, these red wizards hoped that they would be able to bring down one of the Zulkirs. The Zulkir unfortunately found out and responded violently. 
Those remaining red wizards fled and disposed of the moonwed rings in various places around Faerun. In the meantime, Selune is said to have appeared before her faithful in many places of worship. She advised that her clergy not seek out the moonwed rings, but to instead allow them to pass through the hands of adventurers, scholars, and the like, with the hope that they too feel the divine influence and call of Selune. Now to round out this section on magic items, I'm just going to talk about some thematically appropriate magic items from official 5th edition sources that I feel the Faith of Salune might have access to. From the Dungeon Master's Guide, you have plus one through to plus three maces, boots of levitation, the crystal ball, the elixir of health, the serpentine owl figurine of wondrous power, helm of brilliance, Kyogtum's ointment, the lantern of revealing, mace of disruption, Necklace of Prayer Beads, Oil of Ethereal-ness, Plate Armor of Ethereal-ness, Ring of Shooting Stars, Robe of Stars, and perhaps a Reef-flavored Sunblade if you're so inclined to make it into something that reflects moonlight more than sunlight. From Eberron, Rising from the Last War, there is the Everbright Lantern. From Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, there's the Amulet of the Devout, Moonsickle, and Guardian Emblem. From Explorer's Guide to Wild Mounts, you could reflavor the Dust Crusher. From Out of the Abyss, there's the Dawnbringer, which you could reflavor to emit moonlight rather than sunlight. From Crystal Strahd, you could reflavor the icon of Ravenloft in the Sun Sword. Finally, from Baldur's Gate to San Tavernus, there's the Candle Mace. Alright, thank you for listening to Religion in the Realms. If you're interested in keeping up with the release of future episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and follow the podcast Twitter account at Realms Religion. These episodes are also uploaded to YouTube as well. The podcast YouTube channel can be found under Religion in the Realms. If you wish to get in touch with me with any questions or just want to chat, my personal Twitter handle is at ShivsEmbrace, or you can send an email to realmsreligion at gmail.com, all in lowercase. Now finished with Salune, next episode we will turn our attention to her sister, Shar, the goddess of loss, darkness, and the night. Until next time, may Timor look kindly upon your dice rolls, Helm protect you, and Lothander light your path. Music for this episode, Night Vigil, by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0.